On today's show, I'm joined by Wes Morton of Peachtree Hoops, talking about all things Atlanta Hawks after 76 games. Yes, only six games remaining in the entire regular season for the Hawks. We'll have plenty to discuss on this podcast about the 38 and 38 Hawks, how we got here, Quinn Snyder's arrival, uh, the rest of the season schedule, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1441 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening. And I definitely thank you for listening to today's podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And if you are watching on YouTube, you already see him. But if you're listening to this podcast, I am joined right now by my friend Wes Morton for Petri Hoops. Wes, you're famous now. Welcome back to the podcast. I guess so. I'm I'm over the internet. I'm viral now. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I didn't expect that one to get as much play as it did. But yeah, you and I had uh, had very similar experiences. It was I guess it was like a month ago now. I had a tweet go kind of same similarly viral to you about how the Hawks were so mediocre, um, how they had scored the exact same amount of points and all this stuff about a month ago. ESPN shared it, and then if you missed this, by the way, Wes um, essentially just tweeted the reality that the Hawks are have the same record over the last you know several periods of time essentially they have a 500 record and it's been talked about a lot in recent days about how the hawks have this nba record winning streak uh i, I shouldn't say winning streak streak around the 500 mark <laughs> 500 um, yeah. i actually got asked about it on tuesday before the game for the first time and he kind of called it an anomaly it was kind of smiling about it but uh it's kind of this weird thing but uh i mean beyond the fact that you probably got a lot of notifications uh any thoughts on how the Hawks just continue to hang around 500? Because it actually is becoming kind of funny at this point. Yeah, it's a little crazy. I mean, it's, it's pretty much just a statistical anomaly. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. We, we sit here and joke about it. But I think I think the record for being within, you know, whatever you want to call it, either half a game or a game of 500, basically, you're either, you know, 36 and 37, right below 500 or, or whatever. They surpassed that, which I think was 25 games. Um, based on what the Elias Sports Bureau had. Yeah. And so they're on their way to 30. So after the next game, it'll be 30, no matter what, what they do. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny that in this season, that's been kind of, you know, uh, you know, obviously the Hawks are, like you said, mediocre. I got a million. The Hawks are mids in my, in my comments. <laughs> that's like, listen, I get it. I watch the Hawks every, every game. I know how mid they are. But, it's kind of funny how, you know, that comes out of the season. They, you know, they set a record for, for being so average. And, um, yeah, my tweet was just basically kind of laying out, like, you know, obviously, obviously every time you were at 500, two games ago, they were at 500 as well. So, you know, they go one and one, they go two and two. I tweeted that maybe, uh, I guess that was two games ago, um, where they had just gotten back to 500, um, or it was actually right after the the Pacers game, they got back to 500 before they lost to the Grizzlies. That original tweet got you know pretty pretty widely spread, I would say. Um, and then you know they they lose to the Grizzlies, they beat the Cavs last night. Um, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, I could tweet it out again, but I'm not I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, check check my phone this morning. I'm at work and. It says Sports Center has tagged you in a tweet. 
I was like, oh, this is this is not gonna be good. So they basically just, you know, reposted my original tweet, um, gave me a hat tip, and um, that was kind of all she wrote. You know, I, my, my mentions were going crazy. I don't know. I don't know where that tweet is. It's probably got you know like twenty thousand likes at this point. Just maybe you know eight hours, ten hours later. But yeah, uh, I mean, it all kind of comes back to like it's, it's kind of funny how being so average for this amount of time gets you to some sort of you know some sort of fame in, in some weird weird way. But I mean, it does speak to you know just the hawk just continuing along that that kind of average pace. Like they don't get too high, don't get too low, don't don't go any winning streaks, don't go any losing streaks and continue to end up at 500 yeah they haven't they haven't won or lost more than two in a row in like two and a half months which is like it's kind of hard to do like in, over the course of an nba season like even really bad teams generally win three games in a row over two and a half months you know what i mean like it happens right or your really good teams lose more than two games in a row like denver's lost three in a row recently i know philly just lost three in a row like the best teams in the league lose three games in a row and the hawks have done neither one of those things for basically 10 weeks now and uh i, I just checked on the Sports Center tweet, it has like twenty four thousand something likes right now, so it's uh, still blowing up. I saw uh, some some Hawks adjacent people that I won't name, uh, maybe getting frustrated that ESPN shared uh, shared this because they they like picking on Atlanta because I think probably because it was a similar tweet that I had about a month ago or whatever it was, and it, they both kind of popped that and they they kind of had the same message. And rarely do you kind of see that, so I think Hawks fans are gotten frustrated now on some level too. And look, they've earned it in some respects. The Hawks have like with this play. Even beyond that, like for the full season, they're 38 and 38. Obviously, they have a uh, a net rating right now. I believe it is yeah, it's plus 0.1 in terms of raw net rating. So it's not zero zero, but it's it's about as close as it gets. And then cleaning the glass, which removes garbage time, has the Hawks at negative 0.1 net rating. <laughs> so like they're yeah. essentially every single metric you can look at just tells you like for their raw point differential for the season, 76 games, they're plus 14 points total. So they are slightly to the positive, but they are. Uh, and look, it, it's more of a story because they came in with expectations this year. They, they made the big splash trade for Dejounte. We kind of all know that this is a podcast listened to by Hawks fans. We all understand, but that is part of why it gets more attention. Because this is, if it was the Wizards, all due respect to the Wizards, of course, if it was the Wizards, it'd be a lot more expected. It wouldn't be quite as notable. It'd, be, it'd probably still be some trivia associated with this with this, this, this kind of run. But it's because the Hawks are supposed to be pretty good this year, and they haven't been pretty good. They've been more middling, and the mid jokes keep keep coming. But I mean, aside from all the all the weirdness, like, do you make anything of this? Is it just like randomness? Obviously, it's on some level, but should they be better than this? I think people keep asking me, like, are the Hawks actually better than this? And my, my answer is generally, I still think if you start the season over right now, they'd win more than they have. But like at a certain at a certain point, they played seventy six games. Like they kind of are what they are after this after this lengthy schedule because they haven't had tons of injuries or anything either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing I will say is you brought up the net rating. Um, at one point, I don't know how long ago, maybe twenty or thirty games ago, you know, they were so sort of close to five hundred, but their net rating was was way worse than that. Like that was kind of a you know peripheral yeah. stat, but they were you know maybe one and a half points per one hundred possessions in the negative side in net rating. Um, while still being kind of close to 500. So it's sort of, it's almost like they were actually overperforming how well, how good they are as a team. Whereas, you know, they have, uh, it does seem like they made some slight improvement. I mean, you know, very marginal um, in the past, you know, you know, month, month and a half or so um, to get back to, you know, about zero net rating. And, you know, like you said, if you, if you kind of replayed this season, 
um, how they're playing right now over the course of the season, you know, they, they'd be above 500 right now, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I think a lot of it sort of speaks to, um, you know, l- listen, like the, the Hawks have been kind of in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons. They've, they've <laughs> gone through, they've gone through a coaching change and the interim coach for two games in the middle, got rid of one coach, you know, you don't usually see, uh, someone as qualified as Quinn Snyder take over in the middle of the season that, that almost seemed like, you know, a, a guy, if he wanted to, he, he would have just waited till an off season and had his choice. But, you know, there's that there's, you know, there's um, other instability within the front office. Um, it's questions of, you know, kind of who's, who's calling the shots at the top and um, Schlink stepping down. So I think what it is, is it, it seems like it's, it's almost like, you know, the, the players kind of get on the court, they just go out and play. They sort of, play their game like there hasn't really been enough time to instill like you know this kind of mindset of we're going to play this way we're going to play um strategically this way tactically this way they just kind of go out and play the game you know if they're hitting shots they can kind of win if they're not hitting shots they don't if they're not you know making the rotation on defense they're not defending as a unit they don't win um but it's almost like this second nature thing where they're just kind of going out and playing and i think that's what leads to you know they can have a great night one day against you know, whatever team in the NBA could be a good team in the NBA and, you know, knock off a pretty good team or they come out the next night and, you know, lose to a, to a not so good team. They've, they've, they've already lost to, I believe, Charlotte three times. Yeah. Um, they've San lost Antonio. a couple of San Antonio. Yeah, that's a good one. San Antonio, Houston, there's a Houston loss. So, you know, they kind of have that, that sort of uh, type of team where, you know, they can go out and beat anybody, but they can come out, come back the next, next night and lose to anybody. So, I think with all that surrounding them above the kind of the court level, that's why we get these kind of like, uh, you know, inconsistent performances night to night where you just don't know what to expect. And like I said, it's mostly just a statistical anomaly. I don't think there's really anything deeper to read into it um, as far as, you know, the, the, the recent streak of being so close to 500. But, you know, I think the the hope is that, like I said, the the peripheral numbers are actually trending up slightly. Yeah. Uh, we know Quinn Snyder is a, a very talented, accomplished coach. Um, so if you're kind of aiming for the future, you know you think you, you think you can have that upward trajectory. But it, it certainly has been a disappointment disappointment from the standpoint of, like you mentioned, coming in with expectations, coming in having made a big move for Dejounte, and they're just, you know, it, it's it's taken all season to really start to get to the point where, you know, they feel like they're they're starting to be on an upward trend, but. Um, yeah, you know, once they've kind of settled that instability above the, the player level, it seems like maybe they'll have some more consistent results. But, you know, this seven games less in the season, you know, this <laughs> it's just a little bit later this time. Yeah, I mean, just to back you up, um, since the All-Star break, which is uh, obviously when the coaching change happened, they're 9-8, and eight, but they have a plus 2.1 net rating. And a plus 2.1 net rating is solid. It's not great, but it's it's better than it's been. And that's like a, that's like a 45 win team versus a 41 win team. That's, that's a real difference. And it's a small sample size and it's been driven by the offense versus the defense. We'll get into all that stuff later on, but it is uh, worth noting that they have been better um, sort of implied by the numbers, uh, just not with the same win loss results that you might want in the Snyder era to this point. Um, all right, before I get into some other stuff with Snyder and that fallout, kind of how they've been playing recently, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. 
I'm very excited about our new partner on today's podcast. That is the Multiple Game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. If you've been dreaming about becoming an NBA GM at some point in your life, that dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every aspect of the team that you're working with, play through the season, and also lead your team to glory with Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You're responsible for making the, making the right hires on coaches and training players and training players, making draft picks, generally navigating the franchise through stuff like free agency, all the fun challenges of a season. This all happens in a realistic game world, and Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and also playable offline. You can play on the go wherever you are as much as you want, and we're already really having a lot of fun behind the scenes with a lot of hosts across the board talking trash about our franchises and really going back and forth. It's really an awesome way to connect with friends who are also diehard basketball fans like yourselves. And if you're a listener to the Locked On podcast, also get 100% free to boost to your franchise with the promo code Locked On in the game store. Hello, the game is at probasketballgm.com and scan the code to look it up in the app store. That is probasketballgm.com. When you get there, use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. All right, Wes, uh, I do want to ask you, kind of follow up what you said a minute ago about Quinn Snyder. Um, it's interesting, like, I wonder what you're seeing differently because the numbers are what they are. Like, they're, they've been more offense and worse defense recently, and I'm not sure if that's, like, personnel-driven. I'm sure you have thoughts on that. Obviously, they're playing a little bit more offensive lineups and stuff like that. But um, especially coming off of, off of last night when they played Cleveland, and we don't have to do a whole recap of that game, but, you know, having been around – that game and kind of listen to all the audio and all that stuff it was kind of a Snyder love fest because of Donovan Mitchell because Donovan was in town lots of questions about him from Cleveland people and like he was really praising Quinn Snyder lots of talk about like his philosophy and stuff like that and it feels like he's certainly new like you got into a minute ago but it's at the same time he's like almost trying to instill some big picture stuff versus drilling down because of what you said like you can't really have a full-on overhaul so I wonder what you're seeing so far from Snyder because it is uh it's not nothing so far. It's sixteen well, like fifteen games. I think the first two were uh prunty, so we're fifteen games of Quinn Snyder at this point in time. That's that's, that's not a not, not a huge sample size, but it's something. Right, right. Um yeah, yeah. I mean it, it there's definitely some, like you said, there there's not too much overhauling you can do, but there's there's still some some little things I think I've noticed from Snyder versus, you know, how um Nate would kind of name and mail and would would go about certain things. Uh you know, one thing you brought up with with Donovan Mitchell's development, you know, you know, he came in as like a, kind of a the defense first almost sort of guy at the point guard, you know, off guard position. And, you know, they kind of they kind of worked him to, to be an on ball, to be a good shooter, to, to move off the ball and things of that nature. Um, you know, it's a little bit obviously later in the curve and in, in you know, Trey Young's career as well as DeJounte Murray's career. But. I think a big focus is, you know, when I'm when I'm kind of watching when when both of those guys are coming off the court, Quinn Snyder almost is almost always in their ear, kind of giving them instructions. Um, just noticing, kind of from my seat in the arena, it seems like he's really keying in on, on trying to give instructions to Trey and Dejounte how how he kind of wants, you know, certain things ran. Um, I think there was a there's kind of video a little bit of a, a little bit of a uh, video uh, video about. Um, Quinn getting uh, a little bit upset with, with Trey, I think missing rotation or something like that a few games ago. Um, so, so I think it's, it's almost this, this feeling of, you know, Quinn wants to start from the point guard position on down. Um, you know, it's kind of a, almost like a point guard whisper. He wants, he knows those are, those are the key guys on this team. Those are the lead two leaders, especially Trey young, who's, who's kind of been, um, you know, the focal point of the offense um, since he's coming, coming to the league, since he's come in as a Hawk and, um, Trying to give them instructions and, and how some of some of the places they think Snyder thinks they should be on the floor, some of the, some of the plays they think should be running. Um, so that's something that that's kind of I've been kind of keying in on. 
the other one you, you kind of touched on is just deploying more more lineups with more offense, especially more shooting. You know, they acquired Sadiq Bay at the, at the trade deadline. Um, you know, he's been a fixture in the rotation immediately. Um, they, they try to um, get a bunch of other guys who can shoot. You know, Bogey's been in the mix. AJ, for the most part, has been in the mix. Um, some of that has also been Jalen has been out. He's been out injured for a while. Yeah. You know, he's not, not really – he's pretty much a non-shooter at this point. And so you start to go with these small ball kind of um, stretch forward lineups with, with Bay at the four or, you know, DeAndre at the four. And John Collins is starting to hit some threes. So, so definitely trying to spread the floor more, um, shoot the ball, trying to get back to kind of what the Hawks have been doing the two previous seasons where, you know, when you're running this, this spread and pick and roll, you know, you need, you need guys to, you know, make some, some secondary actions and, and shoot and pull. Uh, from deep when, when necessary. So um, I've been trying to track the three-point rate. It hasn't seemed like it's gone up under Schneider for, for whatever reason. I think they're still kind of, you know, old habits die hard. They're still, you know, fairly mid-range heavy team. But I think that's something going forward in the next season, especially. I think Schneider will definitely want them to shoot more threes. And uh, that's kind of been, been his signature with the Jazz, where he's, you know, deploying a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, – shooters around, um, you know, when they kind of anchored the defense around Rudy Gobert, but basically every other position could shoot in some way or form. And I think that's what Snyder's looking for going forward with, you know, with Trey coming off these pick and rolls. And, you know, if Capella's not there for the role or John Collins isn't there for the role, you know, trying to dish it out to to someone who can, you know, catch and shoot from from the wing or the corner. Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. Like, to your point, it feels like, in fact, I feel, I feel like we know Snyder wants him to shoot more threes. He's said it a few times, kind of in slick ways. He's not he's not banging the table for it in the media, but it feels like he definitely wants that. He's also kind of stressed. I think last time was a good example of this, where you know Murray uh, has is a very heavy mid range guy. We kind of all know that at this point. But Snyder, whenever he whenever Murray attacks or shoots a bunch of threes, Snyder makes sure to compliment him on those things in public, and I, I take notice of that. Like I feel like he knows that's the way to do it because he's not going to be, you know, especially I think Murray and Hunter, they're not going to just stop shooting mid-rangers altogether, especially Murray. Murray's just going to take those shots. He's going to, but also kind of just pushing him to take more at the rim, pushing him to take more threes uh, subtly at this point is interesting. And it's probably right to do that. And look, the results on offense have been great. I mean, they're number two in the league offense since, since the All-Star break. It's the, it's, the, it's the defense has been a disaster. We talked about that. I'm not, we don't have to do the whole thing now, but like, You've talked about it. I know I have on Twitter and places and on this podcast, but they just with these lineups they're playing, they just don't have the perimeter defenders, and it's it's a, it's kind of a boring thing to say now because it's been like something we just talked about ad nauseum for seventy six games this season, truly. Right. But especially without Jalen, it becomes even more magnified because that was they, they were trying that it was working, and now Jalen's been out to the point now where they're playing five six guys on the perimeter every night, and one of them, I think, is average on defense and that's and that's hunter and i think people have people have thought murray and i probably thought murray four months ago and he's not played at that level this year you throw in trey you throw in aj you throw in bogey um bay all those guys are kindly not great defenders so like it makes sense that they're not great defensively look at the personnel but the offense is encouraging and i think you know that finding that sweet spot of being able to find some either players or lineups that work on both ends of the floor is the next step and it just seems like this is i'm not trying to make that a, a huge hot take here but i wonder what you think about this it feels to me listening to quinn quinn's every word in, in press conferences since he got here both live and after the fact it seems like 
he kind of knows that they're not like he's not necessarily pushing or operating in the win at all costs mode right now in the way that Nate would have been. They're trying to win. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, they want to win games. But I think Quinn's mandate with a five-year contract in hand is much more like, I want to get these guys to do what I'm going to do. And I think next year is more important than this year for in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Does it feel like right. that to you watching them? Because it feels like that to me, both watching them and also listening to him. When they lose, it's like, well, we did some good things. And like he's not he's not pounding the table yet when they lose games. And I, maybe that's yeah. just him. But it's, it just feels like it's kind of like I just got here and – I'm not all the way installed yet. And I, I think we all kind of know that is, and they're, they're this weird, uh, I'm not even sure what it's called. Like it's not a, uh, I don't know. This middle ground, I guess. Yeah. It's an in between honeymoon period. That's, yeah. There that's you go. Called. Um, but yeah, no, that's actually, yeah, that actually a uh, great point. That kind of segment segues me into something I kind of want to, I wanted to mention. I, I've noticed about the past couple of games that, you know, obviously you brought up that they just don't really have that many perimeter stoppers. I mean, um, you know, obviously you got Deandre, you got Jalen when he's out there, but, you know, beyond that, you know, uh, I would, you know, respectfully say basically everybody is below average or, or worse or, you know, maybe DeJounte's average, especially when he's picking up steals. But, yeah, um, but yeah, they, they just don't have a lot of guys on the perimeter. And, you know, sometimes maybe you just got to outshoot guys and, and that. And, and like you said, you know, Snyder's looking the long-term vision of this. Like he's he's a program builder. You now it's kind of the, the things that Landry was saying, uh, Landry Fields was saying at the opening press conference, you know, this, this guy's a program builder. We saw the development program he had in Utah, um, to the guys on, to the, to the earliest guys, he's, he's kind of bringing on the staff for more development. Um, you've got guys from player development as well as, you know, video coordinators. Um, so yeah, he, he's kind of looking at it from a process standpoint, like, you know, in individual games, he's not going to weigh in too much on, you know, if guys are doing what they should be doing, then he'll praise that if guys are, maybe not doing what they're doing, you know, you know, he's not taking too harshly to it, but I'm, I'm sure there's kind of this, you know, this ongoing evaluation of some of the things he may want to change or install in the off season. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, it's definitely all just kind of going into this bucket, you know, certainly we want to win. Certainly, certainly the Hawks are trying to solidify the position in, in the play in, like they're still a lot to play for They're They're within, you know, a game of, Toronto, I believe in the standings, you know, that, that race is pretty tight, but yeah. you know, Snyder's got other things at play. Um, They're definitely it, evaluating. I mean, honestly, I was right. going to ask you this in the middle of that, like they, this is a, this is a one off, but like, I think him playing Vic crazy last night out of right. absolutely nowhere is a good, is a good reminder of that. Like, I don't think that he believes Vic crazy is one of their best eight or nine players, but it's like a good chance to like, he talked about after the game, like Vic earned some time in his mind with his hard work. And that's, that's good. That's fine with me. It doesn't bother me at all. But that felt like like that was an ex- experimentation slash maybe message sent. Like, hey, this guy's playing really hard, and we like what he gives us. So we're going to try him in this spot against a good team, like kind of out of nowhere. And maybe they all knew behind the scenes, but we were – I know I was surprised. I'm sure you probably were too about him playing last night. Yeah. And it's like that's a move that you do when, like, you're in evaluation mode and you're in development mode. Like, you're not necessarily grinding out in the way that – if not to, not to go back to Nate. Nate doesn't – Famously, does not look very very far in front of his face. Like he he thought about the game that that was that night. That was that was his approach, and that's there's positives to that too. But there also are negatives to that. And I think we kind of saw that too. Yeah, I'll actually expand on the V Crazy thing. He actually before V Crazy was you know two or three games of Garrison Matthews, who yep. the Hawks had picked up, and he, he kind of just been you know mostly garbage time guy. But I think I think I mean I don't I'm not in the huddle, I'm not in the, in the training room or anything like that. But I think the message Schneider told. 
you know, Matthews and then feed crazy last night was, Hey, you know, you're going to get some minutes tonight. Would you go out there and play hard? Um, they, they kind of had, you know, um, they kind of stuck them on like some, some actually decent, you know, players, guys who were, who were pretty threatening off the dribble. They didn't try to hide them defensively. They're just like, yeah, yep. go out there and defend them, close out, get a hand in their face. Um, you know, Matthews is, you know, he's not, he's not the best defender, but, you know, he's a hard worker. Um, I know that's kind of reputation he had from Houston, um, you know, hard worker, but he's more of a, he's more of an offensive threat. You had a big couple big games shooting the ball offensively, but he was, you know, he was out there guarding some, some pretty tough opponents and, you know, trying to give a bunch of effort and same with crazy last night, you know, he, he didn't do too much offensively, but, you know, he was, you know, you could tell it's it almost like Snyder gave a message like, you know, hey, you're, you're kind of fighting for, you know, um, kind of fighting for your future here. Both of those guys have unguaranteed deals going into next season. Um, so, and, and it kind of came out that I think, I think Nick Van Etzel said, you know, they, they kind of knew that, you know, they kind of went to beat Craigie before the game and said, hey, you're going you're gonna to get minutes tonight. Um, so almost like a, just a test of, you know, Let's see what you got. You're going to be on tape. You know, let's let's see you, let's see you defend hard and and take on that challenge. And you know, you know, can you prove yourself as, as a, you know an NBA rotation player? So, you know, this is all just kind of like I said, part of the part of the larger kind of evaluation plan. It's, um, you know, we'll see if you have Craigie or Matthews get some minutes after that. But I mean, it's not like the the Hawks have any other perimeter answers defensively. You know, it, it's almost <laughs> like you're just throwing stuff against the wall, see what sticks. But um, it is, it is, uh, you know, Snyder's got a mandate where he knows he's not going to be, you know, almost certainly not going to be released at the end of the season or anything like that. You know, he knows he's, he's, he's got safe. some leeway. He's safe. <laughs> yeah. Right. So he, he can afford to do this versus, you know, like you said, Nate McMillan is, you know, it, it was always shaky ground. Um, he was trying to win every game possible and, um, you know, just just not seeing too far forward. Whereas, you know, Snyder's looking at the big picture, looking at the the multi-year the pro, uh, picture for for his program. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. It is still March at this point in time. That means it's an awesome time for college basketball. Richmond is also here in the NBA. It's perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer at FanDuel, get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That means bonus bets coming back to you. If your first bet does not win, download the FanDuel Sportsbook app right now to get all those fun things in one place. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can get anything you're looking for in the sports world. That includes point spreads and totals, money lines, player props, game props, futures, live betting, and much more. The Hawks are back in action on Friday in Brooklyn. FanDuel will have you covered with all the pregame odds and also the live odds you're looking for for that game as well. And from there, find many more exclusive bets at FanDuel and have the opportunity to combine bets together for a bigger payout with the same game parlay with FanDuel. Don't miss the chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports partner of the NBA. I'm sure, by the way, and we're not in the room ever, you know, I'm sure when Quinn took the job and also discussed the job in season, I'm sure there was a conversation to be had about like, hey, guys, I'm, I'm probably not going to just grind here, like in the way like because they were they were 500, you know, they were famously not in a great spot when they hired him at the, at the break. And it's like, I think being realistic is important. It's not that these guys don't want to win because they do. Snyder's a competitive guy, but like looking up at the all-star break, which is, which, which was like two thirds of the way through the season and realizing what your goals probably are now versus what they were preseason is, it's very different. And now being just practical about it. And look, 
I don't think that they should be playing Pete Krejci over AJ Griffin very much. Like I think AJ playing <laughs> would be a good idea. And if that happens again, like the rest of the season, I'll be my eyebrows will be raised, like from the outside looking in. But for one game, like it, it's fine. It is what it is. You're trying something new and it's different. And um, they, they won the game. That probably helped. I saw some reactions that were not so positive. If they had lost the game, I think you would have heard. We would have heard from people that were like. Well, if they didn't play Pete Krejci and they played AJ Griffin, then things would have been different. And uh, that's that kind of second-guessing stuff that could get you in trouble. But anyway, it's uh, a weird little time for the Hawks, obviously. I do want to ask you before we get into like a little bit of a future discussion about the rest of the season. Um, if you're anything else, anything else you're noticing, because I, I noticed a tweet that you sent out the other day that I was going to ask you about, about uh, well, I guess more of a thread, about a Kongwu and Capella. And I'm sure you've had the same reaction uh, and sort of experience that I have where it feels like, in some corners of Hawks fandom, um, to praise a Kong Wu, you kind of have you feel the need to like tear down Capella at the same time. And I've been talking about this for a long time. It's like it's not allowed to have you're not you're not allowed not, not allowed to have both those guys be good at the same time. And it's like people kind of forgotten that Capella is Capella's good. And like a Kong Wu is definitely coming on. He's playing the best basketball best basketball of his career. We all kind of agree on that. But it also doesn't mean that a Capella is just like. Biombo now like you know what I mean right, <laughs> right. uh, I wonder what you think about that because you know for me anyway I feel like the centers have been like maybe their brightest spot the last couple weeks the two of them combined like it feels like at least one of them if not both has played well in like every game for three weeks it's been a Kongu a lot but even Capella had a, had a great game this, this last week um played played pretty, pretty well last night I thought and it's like you know having this 48 minutes of quality center play is very helpful even if the perimeter stuff is kind of shaky uh, I don't know what you think about that center situation because clearly the undercurrent is they have to choose eventually. And I've said that for two years now and they still haven't done it, but they have to choose eventually. And I get it's probably going to be a Kongwu long-term because it probably should be. He's young and awesome, but uh, they're in a good spot at center, generally speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so what my tweet started with was <laughs> if, if you take away their names and you just put their stats out there. So, you know, people kind of do these blind resumes, um, yep. just basically pull their, their stat line off you know, basketball reference or wherever, you know, that it's almost identical. Now you can kind of, you can almost tell the big differentiator is um, I think Capella was 16 points per 36 minutes and 15 rebounds. Whereas Okongu was like 16 points and 11 rebounds. Like Clint Capella is still one of the best rebounders in the league. So yes. that, that kind of differentiates him, but like they were finishing, they were finishing about the same, you know, Capella kind of gets the knocks, the uh, knock of like, oh, well, he, he doesn't finish the rim very well. And Kong is a great finisher, uh, which is somewhat true, but I think it's overstated when you look at the stats um, yeah. and, and all these other things. And, you know, like you said, they, they both been playing well. I think Capella coming back from injury, it's taken him a while to kind of get back to full speed, but he's been playing well the past month for sure. And Kong was probably having his best month of his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, as it stands, like they need both of those guys at this moment. Like, you know, that's, that, that's pretty key to what they do on both ends. Um, so, you know, as far as the future, you know, I'm sure that'll, that's kind of a bridge that'll be crossed in, in the off season, but um, yeah, they're, they're both great. Like I said, both integral to, to what they do. And um, yeah, it's no reason to just put them, pit them against each other, just, just to pit them against each other. I, there's a lot of fan bases that, that want to like, you know, know exile their their backup center or something you know um i know the you know for example the nuggets obviously they have Jokic, possible mvp favorite they swapped out their backup center they brought in thomas bryant he hasn't really been playing well like getting 48 minutes of quality center play is that's that's a luxury 
And, yeah. You know, that's, that, that's something to, to not, you know, take for granted. Yeah. I mean, they, I, I've argued in the past, and I think even in the recent past, that short of teams that have guys like Jokic and Embiid, who are obviously just that good, the Hawks have, and for me, a top five center situation on their roster. And that, that doesn't mean that Capella is in the top five because he's not, but I think he's an above average starter. And Kong Wu, I believe, is the best backup center in the league. So, like, if you have 48 good minutes of center play, you're better than a lot of teams are at center. Like, most teams, I would say. Short of Philly, Denver, maybe Miami, because Bam's really good. You know, there, there's certain guys you might pick, but forty like minutes 30 through 48, you have a huge edge on a lot of centers. It's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, to, to be quite honest, I think I think the biggest leap Okongwu has made is defensively, because I think that was – probably an area where he was weaker and, you know, teams can kind of go at him. Um, he's playing great. Degree, he really, he's he really playing is great. playing great. He's great. His, <laughs> his block rate. The crazy thing is both Capella and Okongwu, I believe, are top 12 in the league in blocks, which, you know, the fact that you have two guys on your same team and they're literally playing the same minutes and, you know, they, they almost never share the court except for a couple of, you know, weird minutes at the, end of the beginning of the season. Like, and they're both, you know, protected the rim pretty well. Capella is still the better rebounder, but but Okongwu's defensive. You look at any metric, his defensive numbers are um, great. You know, per, on, a, on a per minute basis. So, like, you you can kind of mix and match. And I think I think that's the other thing is um, probably going into the playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk about the playoffs in a little bit, but on some level, you have to mix and match. You know, I I can think back to the the Celtics game. Um, probably multiple Celtics game, but one Celtics game in particular where, you know, Celtics were just spacing the floor five out. They, they didn't have Robert Williams and um, Clint Capella was, was largely unplayable because he's more of a drop defender and a is the better guy defending the perimeter. And, you know, down the stretch of the fourth quarter, they, you know, Snyder just chose to bench, bench Capella and go with a Kongu. Whereas other games, you know, you, you may need a Kongu's rebounding next to, you know, a stretch four guy. So you may leave him in. So it's great to have some options like, those guys aren't exactly identical to each other. You have those options. You can mix and match. And, you know, especially in, say, a play-in game or a playoff game situation or playoff series, you do want that ability to mix and match and play to one guy's strength in one game and the next guy's strength in the next game. So, like I said, that's, that, that all adds up to that luxury you have when you have two guys who, who are very good and, and kind of know what they're doing and, um, you know, they're, they're unselfish. To, you know, they don't mind being benched for one in one game and, um, that kind of a thing. They're both, you know, selfless guys and hard workers. So yeah, yeah. it's a luxury. Like we, we don't have to keep putting them together on Twitter, putting yeah. them against each other on Twitter. Like we don't have to do that. <laughs> no. And again, they're going to choose one. Eventually I think it's going to be a Kong Wu. It's the smart one. It'll be on a Kong Wu at that point. And uh, just one final thing on this, uh, I'm looking at EPM right now, which is estimated plus minus one of the good, at least in my mind, one of the best advanced metrics. They are side by side on on the hawks in terms of epm trey's number one and clint and the kongwu are basically two and three separated by very little so they're very similar and they're also very good in that metric makes a lot of sense different players same position and uh kongwu's coming on he's gonna be awesome and uh that's pretty exciting but capella is still pretty good in his own right um before we get out of here and i've taken a lot of your time so thank you for all of that um the hawks have six games left they play at brooklyn on friday it's a pretty big one in my mind and they play dallas at home Chicago on the road is probably the biggest game we left of the season because of the head-to-head aspects of that one. And they have Washington on a back-to-back. Philly and Boston at the end of the year could be a little bit easier than you might think because those guys, those teams might be not playing all that hard at the end, potentially, if things break the right way for the Hawks. 
I wonder if you've looked at the schedule at all because you know we're recording this on Wednesday early evening. So the Bulls play tonight. We don't, we don't have we don't have the results of the Bulls game or the Heat game. So I'm not gonna do the full like standings talk. But um, schedule wise, it's not easy. It's not impossibly hard, especially if Philly and Boston or even one of those teams is not playing that hard. But uh, I mean, six and six. Uh, every projection that I, that I can see has them finishing 41 and 41, which is kind of ironic after our status conversation. But what are you making the last six games? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you know. There's a lot, a lot of teams against. Yeah, I, I think if they can get to those last two games, two and two, um, especially, you know, we'll see. Like you said, we'll see how it breaks with the Sixers and the Celtics might be locked in in those last two games. They may, they may choose to sit guys with the Hawks still fighting uh, for positioning. Um, so, but well, yeah, I mean, at, it's, at it's, least at least one of them could. That's the thing. Like if you do the could, math, like you right. figure. But not to go all the way to this, but Philly's currently third, Boston's currently second. By then, that's another week from now, you figure one of them's probably locked into a spot and might pull, especially if there's any injuries at all, they're probably gonna rest guys at the end of the matchup. That Sunday that last game of the season is an Easter one o'clock tip off in Boston. Sure. That's gonna be an interesting game all the way around. <laughs> so, like if I had to guess, I would I would probably say one of those teams is not trying. And you know, that's weird that, to like be banking on that because if you're the Hawks, like you shouldn't have to need that to happen, but undeniably like there'll be underdogs in those games but those games are trying because philly's really good and boston's on the road and they're really good too so that would be uh helpful right right so i mean it, it, it won't be definitely not an easy stretch but it's also not you know it's definitely manageable um yeah so we got i mean the, the nets brooklyn friday is an interesting one like brooklyn i think friday, chicago yeah. for obvious reasons is the big one because they're side by side in the standings and yeah. that also decides the tiebreaker because the bulls Currently lead the Hawks, uh, I believe, two to one in the season schedule so far. So that's a tiebreaker game. It's like almost a double game. That's a huge one, just flat out. But Friday against Brooklyn is like, you know, there might be a little bit of tiebreaker stuff there because the Nets are slipping. I doubt they the Hawks will catch them, but that's a somewhat head-to-head matchup, and also just gives you a leg up if you win that game. There's more margin for error. If you lose that game, then suddenly the game on Sunday against Dallas, which already is a big rivalry game for fans anyway gets circled a lot more. So uh, for me, that's the best game on the schedule. It's Friday night against Brooklyn on the road. It's winnable for sure, but it's still a road game and it's a decent team. Right, right. And you also got to think about the uh, the tiebreakers come and play. You know, if the, oh, yeah. I, be- I believe the Hawks are 1-1 one one against the Nets right now. Um, I'm uh, looking this up now. Could, Actually, I think yeah, Brooklyn I might be 2-1, and one, actually. They're 2-1. and one, they, Yeah. So the Hawks have to win. Either way, yeah. So, like you said, with you know, there's a little bit of head head. They're about two games ahead of the, the Hawks right now. So, yeah, if you win that, you know, that's that's like a two game swing. You have a plus, chance. Plus, plus the tiebreaker doesn't come to play. So, yeah, no, that one. And, that and the, the big thing that I also want to make sure people understand is like the Hawks have, as we discussed earlier in this podcast, have lost some pretty easy games this year. But there are no games. There are no easy games remaining on the schedule. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. The easiest game remaining is Washington. But that game is that game's at home, but it's also a back-to-back with travel. And the Hawks, I believe, are like two and ten now on back-to-backs this year. They're very bad. And Washington might not be trying by then. There's a chance they're out of it, and that becomes an easier game. But like on paper, there are no Detroit's left. There are no San Antonio's left, or Indiana's, or Portland punting. All that. like not every, there. There are no gimmies on the schedule. Whereas some of their some of their uh, competitors have some easier games. So like you got to have to show up and win. I mean, if the Hawks were to go five and one. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but they were to go five and one, they might be the seven seed at the end of this. Right. If they were to go one and five, they're probably going to be the ten seed. So like that's it's a pretty big gap. And I mean, 
if you're the 10 seed, you got to win twice on the road, and that's not that's not going to be easy. So these these games do matter, even if like the ceiling is not that high. These games do uh, have a lot of importance down the stretch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, some of it is, yeah. I mean, like I said, it depends on where teams are, what the motivation is. Some, you know, we, there's obviously been a lot of injury concern with you know, um, they play the Mavericks after the Nets. You know, uh, I think I think uh, Luca and Kyrie are back, but but they've missed some games, and they've also the Mavs just in general aren't playing that well. They lost. They lost um, Charlotte back to back games, which yeah, is uh, the, the, tough, yeah, the vibes. Tough scene. Vibes are pretty bad on that. Yes, at the moment. So, um, but I mean, I mean, the Hawks. The, the, you know, obviously, they have a lot to play for. They they've kind of been here for for whatever reason. They're they're always in the mix in these these playoff seedings. The past two seasons, they've <laughs> come down to last last week. So, yeah, and they've kind of managed. You know, they they got they were the ninth, technically the ninth seed um, last year going into play in. Had to be, you know, Cleveland on the road just to get in the playoffs. So. Um, you know, I, I think I think the Hawks are very healthy as well. There's basically only Jalen Johnson is a question mark going forward. So, knock on wood um, on that, obviously. Yeah, but yes, that's 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 the case. So I think, like I said, I think you've got to look at two and two over the next four, and then we'll see what happens with the last two. Just just because we need to see are the Sixers are the Celtics playing for anything or are they not? So yeah, yeah I, that, I, I was going to ask you so. I think we probably agree three and three just by everything that we've seen this year is probably the median outcome. Um, what is more likely for you four and two or two and four? <laughs> I think I have to say they're equally likely. Why <laughs> just, not? <laughs> how can I say anything else? I, that's that's um, kind of what I thought you were going to say, but I, I only think, so, I, I think it's four and two is more likely. And you know me, I'm not the, always the optimist, but only, only because of Boston and Philly, maybe not trying. I would right. lean. I would lean to four and two. Say, yeah. And say, same with Washington. Washington also might not be trying all that hard. So that there's there's a little bit of wiggle room there. Whereas we know the Hawks will be trying. So like, given all of that, I think I would lean to four and two being more likely than than two and four. But your point is probably right in the end. <laughs> I mean, listen, my tweet got like a million tweet retweets and likes. Like I'm just stay gonna, on brand. I'm just yeah. gonna assume they're gonna go. You know, win loss, loss win for the rest of the season. It's gonna be three and three. But, and then, I mean, and, then, and, then, and yeah. then also win the first play-in game uh, as the nine seed, and then lose the and then lose the second one to finish the season at uh, forty-two and forty-two, including the play-in. That'd be your that's, that's your uh, yeah. I mean, symm- it, symmetrical kind of thing that's going on. It's fate, it's destiny at this point. So yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I would yeah, I would honestly lean towards them. You know, finding extra gear like for whatever reason, the Hawks seem to do this every year, where it's a kind of a win and get. Win in, get in, or win, and pass this this team in the standing sort of situation. They they sort of they sort of find that gear and yeah. Um, so I would lean towards four and two with you there, but you know uh, <laughs> I'm not betting against them going three and three for somehow some way. It's, it's just going <laughs> to end up that way. Yeah, that's that's probably right. Uh, I do want to say at the end of the podcast that uh, earlier this evening. My guy Skylar Mays on a ten day with the Blazers. Shouts to Skylar Mays back in the league, baby. Skylar Mays, there you go. Always like Skylar Mays. Uh, academic Player of the Year. Um, he had a, you know, listen. I, first of all, I'm the I'm the foremost Skylar Mays biographer. You are. I, That's I true. That. 100. That's why I brought it um, up. Academic All American <laughs> in, in uh, 2019 2020 season in the NCAA at LSU and smart guy. You know, great locker room guy. Um, but. But yeah, I mean, I Not think I think Portland's Portland's throwing in the towel. As much as I love Kyrie Mays, they're they're throwing in the towel. Dame's Dame's resting. They're they're trying to figure out their future.
Yeah, and, and, not, and, their, and their future is Scholar Mays, obviously. Yeah, so there, well, there you go. Yeah, he's the he's the like for like Dame replacement. You know, they they essentially are the same player. Yeah, you would think it would be Anthony Simons, but it's actually Scholar Mays, is what yeah, we're there saying. You go. <laughs> uh, and uh, also, Scholar's back with Cam Reddish, old friend. Couple of, a couple oh of man, former Hawks this is uh, an Atlanta reunion over there in Portland. Yeah, a couple of former Hawks. All right, Wes, thank you for all the time on this Wednesday evening. Please plug yourself. If you're watching on YouTube, you can definitely see Wes's information on the screen. But if you're listening only, Wes, where can they find you on Twitter and other ways? I mean, you should have seen me on Twitter today because that's true. Apparently, I was all over it. But you were. If if not, um, you can follow me at, at Blockhawk. B-L-O-G-H-A-W-K. Uh, I'm a writer for Peachtree Hoops. Um, yeah, I'll be I'll be around, usually in the arena, um, tweeting from the arena on the Peachtree Hoops account at Peachtree Hoops. Um, so, yeah, you can find me there on Twitter. Find me at uh, PeachtreeHoops.com as well. It's the place to read about the Hawks, other than my Patreon, of course, which I should always plug every once in a while. The Peachtree Hoops is a soft place in my heart. I still... I'm in Slack all the time with these guys. We talk about things. I read Peace Groups all the time. Wes does a great job and uh, certainly a, an auto follow on Twitter. I should give out your personal account, but I won't do that here on the podcast. It, it's uh, on the link. I try, I, I, try to, I try to hide that. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you go to Blockhawk, you, you know how to find my personal you, account. You can find it. All right. Wes, thanks for joining me on this podcast. As, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcast. Read Peace Hoops. Follow me if you want to, patreon.com slash btroll and all that fun stuff. And we'll see you after the game on Friday.